Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 457 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how we doing on this pre-Independence Day extravaganza? I'm doing fantastic. As of last tally, I have all ten fingers. We're going to see how we do next week on the show. Okay, you're supposed to use a sparkler to light the bigger things. I use my. I used to use my cigarette. That's the best way. Mm. But then you got to make sure that it's red enough and. You're good. You just got to get the wick deep in the cigarette. Oh, there you go. And then inhale and then inhale whatever chemicals are on that into the mixture of chemicals that you're getting into your body while you're smoking. Right. And that puts your head right near the exploding thing. So you could tell when it's lit. Was it an episode of The Simpsons where Barney was smoking the cigar without taking the wrapper off and he was hallucinating? Yes. I think that. Yes. I'm sure when you stick your cigarette into the wick on a firework and then take a drag off your cigarette, it's a similar effect. Yes, and whenever I go buy fireworks, I always buy the the several things Homer asked for at the convenience store first (laughs) before getting the big one. Well, not now in Pennsylvania. They just have stores where there's no pretense. There's, you know, there's no like, oh, you got to go in and buy, uh, you know. (laughs) <laughs> the 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 case of disposable enemas to go with your M80s. Just go into the store and buy M80s. That's right. They've loosened up the laws a little bit. And it was so weird, too, because was it a, two years ago, maybe, all those stores were around, but they were near, like, off-ramps on exits. Mm-hmm. And they were all in Pennsylvania, but you couldn't buy them if you were a Pennsylvania resident. Mm-hmm. Good times. And my poor Sheets now has a separate line because now they sell wine and beer. <gasps> yes. Ooh. So there's there's a particular line because apparently the same register that you use to cash in and out gas can't be used to cash out in and cash in and out alcohol. But they both get you gassed. Right, exactly. When Sheets starts selling Diana Ball, then we're on track. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's it's uh it's it's what you take when you're when you have no holds barred. <laughs> okay. But hey, let's get into comic book stuff, hey? <laughs> yes, I was wondering. Uh a new horror line is announced at DC, but it's not the one that you're thinking of because that one's being done away with. Right. Speaking of the horror themed line at DC. Maybe the most memorable or noteworthy character from that line that we don't acknowledge anymore is getting turned into a TV show on a streaming service, but not the one you think. (laughs) And now that just dawned on me. Anyway, uh, we have conventions this weekend. We have digital sales and freebies. Uh, We have what we read from this past week, which is just War of the Realms number six. Ooh. Uh, The weather's too nice. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the super secret science has been too super and too secret lately. Yes. Uh, what we read this past week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, and then we have discussions of the most recent episodes of Swamp Thing and Krypton. Oh. My friend Ryan out there. I miss you, Ryan. I'm glad you're doing well. But uh, I... I didn't get a chance to watch Good Omens this week either, 
more of that good weather and getting to see other stuff, which you can find out about over on After Dark later this week. And like I said on Twitter, I think it's pronounced Crap Town. It is Crap Town now. <laughs> that is true. But I had to get one last Krypton in. Mm-hmm. Like, That's two Kryptons. I stole the Krypton from another podcast. Mm-hmm. And then when I forgot to do Krypton last week and somebody pointed it out, I'm like, oh, they were noticing. Listen, you didn't get one Krypton in. You got a ton of Krypton ins. I'm tr- I'm confused now. <laughs> anyway, DC announced this past week that horror lo- writer, son of Stephen King, uh, creator of the Lock and Key series over at IDW, Joe Hill, is going to be doing a horror line of comics over at DC. Hmm. Under some sort of not DC black label banner, definitely not under, uh, well, no, actually it is going to be under black label. I apologize. It's not going to be under vertigo is what you're It's not going to be under vertigo because the initial like pitch for it says that it's going to be a pop-up horror line, kind of like these pop-up whatever things that you say they're trying to get like some hipster verbiage in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a good uh, creative team. Joe Hill's doing some stuff. Mike Carey's in there. Uh, Peter Gross, Kelly Jones is doing art on stuff. But, I don't know, this seemed like you could have done this under the Vertigo line. I don't know. I think they're just trying to sunrise some titles over at the Black Label. Oh, boy. I, I don't know. I'm with you. Um, uh, Joe Hill is a name yeah. that would have, like, floated, you know, some stuff for Vertigo. Um, but like, and he's even doing a TV show on AMC right now called Nosferatu, mm. but it's spelled like a license plate, like NOS, uh, like, you know, with the four, ra, like RA two, whatever. But, uh, it's, it's some weird horror story and everything I've heard his lock and key is amazing. I've never read it, but like, this could have been the thing that brought cachet back to vertigo. Yep. But you know, it's all gone now. It's going to be black label. Everything's black label till whatever it says on your desk, the, the 30th anniversary of uh, vertigo. So I don't know. I, I'm still sad. Vertigo's gone, Joe. Well, just like if we've learned nothing from the star Wars trailer for the next film, nothing is gone forever, Todd, because it was just announced this past week that after, how long of being shopped around Hollywood? I think uh, Neil Gaiman himself had said it, that this had been being shopped around Hollywood for at least the better part of the last six years in this iteration. Mm-hmm. That Sandman is getting made into a Netflix original series. That's right. They've, I've, From what I read, they greenlit 11 episodes for the first season. Right. So very odd that it's 11 episodes. Very odd that it's on Netflix, especially since DC has their own streaming service that this seemingly could have been a perfect fit for. I agree. And I think they were going to film in North Carolina or something, but taxes. Oh, my goodness. But what I read was that because... HBO was in the hunt. They wanted something like like with some cachet to follow up Game of Thrones and, and somebody else was in the hunt. But Netflix brought so much money to the table and they were willing to throw so much against for the budget. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping 
that it's going to be really good because I had a discussion today with the with the bassist where he's like, well, you know, uh, it's Neil Gaiman and Goyer. They're working on 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 Sandman for Netflix, and I'm worried because Goyer hasn't done anything good in the last couple of years. I said, yeah, but that's all because he was always working under Snyder's umbrella of Suicide Squad and other stuff. I really liked Blade, and he did he wrote uh, Dark City, and he did like with other people. Uh, so I'm hoping that Neil, who's doing Good Omens, which is faithful to the adaptation, that he's going to do a good job with Sandman and he has a lot of money. It's not just going to be like like Lucifer, the TV show. Like Lucifer was like, oh, we like the idea of Lucifer owning a club and doing this, but we can't have him traveling to distant realms on Fox because it's going to cost too much. Make it a crime procedural. <laughs> so like, and that's what it is. But I'm hoping with this money we can get, you know, the first 11 episodes literally being preludes and nocturnes, like him hunting down the stuff that he needs. And at the end, it's like, all right, now I'm ready to go back to the – like, and if they have that kind of money, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? Right. Now – right. I I just want to point out, of course, we have no definitive start date. We have no casting dates. Um, I do want to point out – I don't know if you saw some of Neil's tweets about this. I saw something like that before the official announcement. Okay, no, so these are like the uh, Neil's tweets post the official announcements. Okay, no, I st- maybe I did, but go ahead. Right, so it's essentially just saying like, hey, you know, I want to let everyone know that everyone thinks that the the pitch for this was written by myself and David Goyer, um, but the script was actually written by this guy Jack Thorne. Oh, okay. Uh, so like, hey, don't forget to give him credit. And then he was answering a bunch of people's questions about it you know, what they're going to do and uh, saying, he's saying, I hope we can make something on television that feels as personal as true as the best of the Sandman comics did uh, just set 30 years after the comics. So that leads me to believe that it might be not ad- adaptations of what we saw, but then somebody asked him, said, how are you going to tell all 75 issues in 11 episodes? And he says, we won't even try. Well, then he's probably, I think he just means it's a tough sell. Like all joking aside on Preacher and everything is Preacher doing the TV show. And even if you had done it perfectly, like it, it shot for panel for panel in the comic, you couldn't, you couldn't move it to today because cell phones change everything. You know what I mean? Like right. you can't be, oh, I'm abandoned on the side of a road and there's no telephone booths. You know, I have to go find Cassidy and like, well, we all have you know, texting now. I think that's what he means is you have to adapt it to certain, certain thinking isn't the same and technology has changed everything and you can't do things perfectly because certain things make, uh, you know, your, your problems obsolete now. Well, you know, you could do it kind of like the stranger things way where it's like a period piece. I, I actually think that would be the way to go set it in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. and just, like, like, and, I mean, it's not the same, like, a Captain Marvel movie, you know what I mean? Like, like there you are, like, we have pagers, and this is the, the music, and this is the mindset, and and stuff like that. I, t- I totally agree. I, I think people ca- get caught up in when we have to do an ad- adaptation. It has to be now, here, now, hip. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you can... You can do something that was 15, 20, 30 years ago. Yep. You're fine. I don't know why you have to have, you know, the current grunge or the grunge band, whatever the music. Oh. But, you know, as the kids say, the, the, the Maroon 5s in your movies. I don't know. 
Uh, but just another thing that he tweeted out from an interview that he did with uh, Collider just about a month or so ago, where he talks about, I've been looking at Sandman's script since 1996. And at the time, I'm looking at them going, these are great, but they're impossible to make. No studio is going to spend $100 million on an R-rated, effects-heavy, <laughs> cerebral fantasy story. It can never happen. Uh, but on the other hand, I've gone through 25 years of people telling me, so Sandman's going to get made now. And I've learned to go, yeah, sure, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but now I actually am looking forward to it. And and now he has no excuse because literally like what they threw at episodes of Game of Thrones on on HBO. You know what I mean? Like if Netflix is going to throw more money at it than what HBO could give, that's that that's crazy. You know, so like maybe the effects will work and maybe, you know, maybe we'll have a, a, a great a great series. I hope so, because this is the one this is the one that I will be at full Joe about as oh, they're oh, doing oh. it. Like, look at Morpheus's eyes. They don't. They don't look dark enough with white pupils. I'm mad. Urgh. Is that is that how you sound? I was gonna say I shouldn't be going full Joe, let alone anyone else. <laughs> That's true. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy or my best co-host. Oh, good. So you wouldn't wish it on Adam then. There you go. <laughs> but I'm excited uh, to see what they could do with Sandman. Finally, like I think this is the closest we've been since. I think it was announced like three or four years ago as part of whatever the DC films rollout was going to be. That's right. Jogo was all over it. Yep. His name doesn't appear to be attached no more. No, he, he was off ship like a while back too. Not like even recently in this. I remember when he said like, we've parted ways. I was like, Oh no, Jogo Mm -hmm. don't go. Oh boy. What? (laughs) Nothing. So, again, light news week, uh, but we'll get a little bit more into that a little bit later on in the show. Conventions this weekend, if you're traveling over the holiday weekend, uh, maybe your travels will take you to the Youngstown Comic Con in Youngstown, Ohio, uh, where you can run afoul of Graham Nolan, Daryl Banks, Jim Steranko, and Jason Muse. That's a murderer's row right there. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps... You'll go to the Great White North, eh, as it was just Canada Day earlier this week, where you can go to the Montreal Comic-Con, where William Shatner, Brian Azzarello, Dale Eaglesham, Kevin Eastman, Rags Morales, and Jake the Snake Roberts will be there. Ooh, Jake the Snake. I wonder what he's Mm -hmm. got in the bag. Or perhaps you'd like something a little bit more low-key, where you can go to the Salt City Comic-Con in Syracuse, New York where the comic guest of honor is Mark Wade, also appearing from the worlds of sports and entertainment, the Rock and Roll Express, Sabu and the Super Genie, and Marty Jannetty. Marty Generic's going to be there? Mm-hmm. And also Doc Gooden. Oh, he should be with Jake the Snake. Well, I was going to say, Jake the Snake by himself in Montreal? Okay. Uh, Syracuse with Sabu, the Rock and Roll Express, Marty Jannetty, and Doc Gooden. That sounds like a beautiful 1986. <laughs> it does. That sounds like a 1986 with one, two, three, four, five, six arrests at the very least. I think it would be just one report, though. Don't you think? <laughs> Touche. Uh, that paperwork that way, but go ahead. But the biggie is Florida Supercon in Miami Beach. 
Uh, this weekend on the media guest side of things, we've got John DiMaggio. Oh, he's my favorite baseball player. That's right. George Takei. Oh, my. Mick Foley. Same birthday as me. That's right. Jerry the King Lawler. Exonerated. <laughs> Touche. And Richard Dean Anderson. My, the guy, who, that me and him are good buddies. Do you know if the last tweet he ever liked on Twitter is mine? Before his daughter rested his Twitter away from him? Yes, I heard people were getting too creepy. That's what mm. I heard. I heard rumors. But on the comic book side of things, it's a murderer's row in and of itself. Neil Adams, uh, Raphael Albuquerque, Greg Capullo, Nick Spencer, and the salty one himself, Keith Gith- Keith Giffen. <laughs> the salty one himself. That's the right. Sultan of Salt, Keith Giffen. He's going to become a not unlike Rocky Maivia, the Rock Dwayne Johnson type <laughs> character where he's Keith Giffen, then he's Salty Keith, then he's the Salty One, then he's just going to be known as the Salt. That's right. He's the, he's a modern day John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> so the links to all of those conventions uh, will be in the show notes. And just to throw it out there, uh, this was a banner week, Todd, of... Mm-hmm going through the list of conventions that were happening this weekend and going to dead sites, spamware sites, sites that just don't load. So I don't know, you know, I would have settled for a Facebook landing page in some of these cases. (laughs) Just like a net of any kind, right? Oh my goodness. Anything. Your, Your favorite thing when it comes to doing this part of the show. So the links to all of these, of course, will be in the show notes, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, where any time any of the episodes in the network, and I'm trying, I'm trying to get some more shows resurrected or <laughs> compel people to come to the network, uh, we're here, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, we had an early episode of At Odds with Wrestling, where Adam and I discussed the pros and cons of unprotected <laughs> Chair shots to the head. Well, I was wondering what was unprotected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, and sadly, the final episodes of Wrestling on the Edge of Forever and Podvocacy. Mm. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to the last episode of Podvocacy, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna. Uh, you know, I'll always have that one. They're waiting for me. If I don't listen to the last episode, did it ever really go away? Mm-hmm. I wish them well in all their future endeavors. Yes, I saw that tweet. Yes. <laughs> if only we had, like, an official corporate site where we could write those things off. Oh, Longbox Heroes, man, yes. The LCC, that's what we need. Oh, already Look it. into I'm, that, Joe, look into that. I'm on it, I'm on it. All right. uh, also over in the show notes, of course, are a bunch of sales, and with Spider-Man Far From Home, the film out this week <laughs> there's a dozen spider-man sales you've got uh spider-man start here sale you've got the massive spider-man blockbuster sale you've got the spider-man vs. mysterio sale and uh then marvel has a bunch of other sales as well a uh fourth of july sale and an 80th anniversary the 2000s sale uh, IDW is having a sale on their Transformers and Ghostbusters stuff. DC's weekly sale is the World of the Weird sale. And, you know, it's your kind of quirkier Vertigo books. Remember Vertigo, Todd? I do remember Vertigo. Mm-hmm. 
surprisingly, they didn't work. Uh, Dark Knight Returns or <laughs> uh, Batman Year One in here. Somehow they should. But they have like got them by Gaslight, uh, the the Black Mirror thing by Scott Snyder. Ooh, pick that up for five bucks. That's a steal. And DC is also having a month-long sale entitled the DC Sandman Universe Sale for some reason. Hmm, that's definitely Virgo. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to rebrand all of the the digital trades as well, the digital collections. Not the guy out there just using, like, you know, Adobe, taking Vertigo off all the art and putting, (laughs) putting Black Label on there. But you can, you know, and obviously you get things in single issues. You can get a lot of the newer stuff, and I would always be remiss to mention the newer stuff that's on sale because DC doesn't put typically newer stuff on sale very often. But Lucifer's in there, Death stuff is in there, uh, Children's Crusade stuff is in there, Dreaming stuff is in there. But hey, you can get the entire run of Sandman, seventy-five issues for under fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do worse than that with fifty bucks in your pocket. You know what I mean? All I'm going to say is I'm done getting people to try and read Sandman. Mm-hmm. I've worked too hard, and there are still people I know who haven't read it. So uh, my my shoulders are broken. <laughs> I know people that own Sandman and haven't read it. Mm, the the bassist is one of those. Oh, well. I gave I, him a run of hardcovers, and he only had to like get three or four. Still hasn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some people, I tell you. But anywho... Uh, digital freebies. Marvel updated them after the last set was up for like six or seven weeks without being updated. The newest set gets bumped after two weeks, and it's all X Men all the time. Uh, X Men two hundred one, where Storm and Cyclops battle to see who the leader of the X Men is. Uncanny X Men number two eleven, where Storm becomes the leader of the Morlocks. Uncanny X Men number two sixty six where Gambit first appears, and Uncanny X-Men 281, where things split off to blue and gold versions of the X-Men. They're all very Storm-heavy issues, so I think something might be going on with Storm in the main X-Men books. I would guess so. I would guess there's stormy days ahead. Mm, yes. If you read X-Men books, I guess. I don't, unless Peter David writes them. So, let's get into books we uh, read from this past week, and by books I mean one, uh, <laughs> and that is w- War of the Realms, number six, by Jason Aaron, with art by Russell Dodderman, and uh, here it is, the big finale to, to the big Thor epic. Yes, it is. Um, basically, last we left, Thor is in the sun, where he had thrown the, you know, millioner. Uh, his hammer, I always get that wrong. And he's trying to figure out, he's burning in there, trying to figure out how to stop the War of the Realms. And he ends up getting the answer. And basically, it's if Thor's gonna, if one Thor is gonna stop this war, then four Thors will stop this war even quicker. And he ends up getting old King Thor and young, unworthy Thor who can't lift the hammer and uh, Jane Foster as Thor with the uh, hammer from the ultimate universe that wants to die apparently. Um, And they go off and they basically take on for one last round, Malekith and his forces of evil. And in, you know, spoiler alert, uh, they win. Um, Like it's, there's a lot more going on in there, but I, I think this was a great issue after 
uh, you know, several issues and we had the tie-ins that we were missing Thor for two issues. I think this was great to, to see him again and him, you know, on top of his game and see like the other versions of the Thor who I love from, uh, what was it? Uh, that was uh, God of thunder, that run and everything. Um, it, brings everything to a head and i guess we still have a few more issues of thor and then we have that mini but i feel this was a good mini series or or crossover or whatever you want to call it um it's one of the best marvel has done in a while it was six concise issues done in three months boom no more issues added blah 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 even though there is a war of the realms omega i don't remember that though i don't know if they added or that was always part of it but I'm very happy with what they did. I don't feel like I was overwhelmed and weighted down in issues that I needed to read. Uh, this is the best Marvel's done on a crossover in a long time, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I would be hard-pressed to disagree with those statements, even though I have a few nitpicks, only in that, of course, the Thor stuff worked the best in this Thor crossover. Jason Aaron did a very good job of assimilating the crossover elements into this book. And it made me want to read some of the other stuff that I maybe wasn't reading already. Uh, Whether it be the Avengers stuff, which I was already reading, the Venom stuff that I was already reading, or the War Scrolls book where there was more of the Daredevil stuff in there. However, that being said, having not read War Scrolls, I feel as though they did a good job in just these six issues with giving you that full daredevil story and not having it overwhelm our main story i I would agree because really in those war scrolls which i did read there's not much more to it other than he's off saving some some people who you know are being attacked by the war of the realm otherwise how he gets the sword he has the sword what it does to him is all explained very well in the war of the realms Mm -hmm. and if you want if you like that and you want more of it here's a book to go get that Right. Hey, you like uh, Frank Castle leading a bunch of dwarves and whatnot to kill people? You get enough of it here. You want more of it? There's a book out there for it. The only little nitpicks I have about it is all of the solicitation stuff was making a much bigger deal over Venom's part in this. Mm-hmm. Where I do feel Venom played a part, but not as big as a part as they were kind of leading us to believe he would play in this. Yes, but I'm wondering if that's all part of bigger things to come. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we've had hints of what's going on in the Venom book and other books uh, that it's all part of him being a god. You know what I mean? That Knoll or whatever his name is, it's being a god. So I feel we got a little bait and switch in this. But as we discussed, I think maybe last week, uh, how the books are tied closer than ever. And we have asterisks and go see, go read this. That the stuff that's coming out of this is going to play in Venom and also Silver Surfer Black, as far as I'm concerned. Right. And of course, with our main Thor characters, at the end of the book, we get, a new status quo for Thor, Odinson. Mm-hmm. We get a new status quo for Loki. And we get a new status quo for Jane Foster that was spoiled on us four months ago. What? It was? I missed it. Yeah, I know Valkyrie. So. And I I just say, how cool would that have been if they were able to keep their trap shut? And this is where you found out that Jane Foster is now Valkyrie. That one still is ponderous to me. 
Yeah. Like, I don't get, and, and even, like, all right, maybe if you let the cat out of the bag this, like, last week when the book came out, but, like, it was, like, weeks and weeks before she became Valkyrie. I Like, I'm like, I don't get it. Well, and that's the thing. You know, we, we get the, we get that there's going to be a Valkyrie book. Then a week before issue two of War of the Realms comes out, they announce that it's going to be Jane Foster as Valkyrie. Then an issue, at the end of issue two, they kill Valkyrie. And then there's no mention of it for another two issues. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I guess there's that whole, we have to get, you know, we have to get ahead of it all. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's the same way I've read an article on the way they advertise movies now that they want as much out there. So you're as, as familiar with a movie as, as, and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know who this is, who this is working for. Do you know what I mean? Like who, who needs all this information to read comics? Yep. It just people, I'm going to give you a, a little tip from your uncle Todd. Just find other than characters that you like, which ebb and flow with their creators, just follow creators. You're going to find out who you like for the most part. It's not hard. It's not. Or if it's a, a you know, a, something that you look at and you're like, oh, here's the solicit and someone's doing this. And that. and if you like the description, try it. Comics aren't that hard. It's so easy. Just buy what you like. I don't need all this information. Sorry, I got up on my soapbox there. No, and I'm kind of of the same mindset. You know, I I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of people that I know that have taken advantage of the Marvel Unlimited series. System. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, six months ago going all, you know, it's the most current six months of books are not on there. But everything going past is we've discussed it on the show many a times. They've gotten a lot better on their search functionality. And I will have somebody contact me and say, uh, hey, I've got Marvel Unlimited. What should I read? And the first thing I tell every single one of them is search Jason Aaron Thor. And then I'll ask them after they do that and they come to me for a rec- another recommendation. I ask them, who do you like? What character do you like? And whatever character they tell me, I'm sure there is a creator out there that has done a decent to really good run on that character. Mm-hmm. And that's a way to find out, you know, how those writers work. You know, I was never a ghostwriter guy, but I liked Scalped over at Vertigo. Remember Vertigo? Yes, I do remember Vertigo. And that Jason Aaron guy who was writing Scalped start doing Ghost Rider and wolverine punisher and stuff so i'm like all right i haven't read a wolverine book in seven years but this guy who i like over here is writing it so i'm sure this will be good and guess what it was so as todd's saying i i didn't need you know and obviously todd and i sometimes could be outliers when it comes to that sort of thing you know we joke all the time ed brubaker right ed brubaker has a comic book coming out tell me the title tell me the date it comes out that's all the information I need. I don't need to know how much it is. I don't need to know what it's about because I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And yes, I get where Marvel is coming from sometimes that you may want to promote something in a way to get it out there. But this Jane Foster one was so weird because it spoiled a key beat in um, you know the, the main storyline that they had going on with the War of the Realms stuff. 
And it wouldn't have been, you know, nothing will ever be like the end of Thunderbolts number one again. That could just never happen again in today's climate. <laughs> but you could have had something as close to that is you solicit your Valkyrie book. You say it's going to be co-written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing. That's going to give enough people um, uh, information. It's like, okay, well, if it's tied in the Jason Aaron Thor stuff, at least that's enough for me to check it out and you know, maybe I want something that's a female-led book, and that'll be the reason for me to read it. And then War of the Realms 6 comes out, and boom, that's when you drop the information. Find out more what happens with Jane Foster in her new book, Jane Foster Valkyrie Number 1, on stores next, out in stores next week. I agree. I think that's going to do more to push people, and I get you got to get the orders and everything else like that. And I'm sure maybe, and like, I think they gave this information away to Retailer Summit. So you have people at the Retailer Summit who stooge this information off, but then when it's stooged off, Marvel is like, well, it's stooged off. We might as well take advantage of it now, three months ahead of time. I, I, I agree with you. I don't know who's doing it, and the, 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 you know, the climate has changed when it all comes to that. Now, I just have one question. When you say Thunderbolts, number one, Yes. You mean that could never happen at Marvel again? It can't, but it, it can't, because it can happen in independent comics. It, it can, yes. But like at the big, I look at big honestly, superhero book, right. that can't happen again. Because I look at someone like uh, Kirkman dropping Die, Die, Die with nobody knowing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he can do something like that. Right. So, okay. I'm just I, I, I'm I'm thinking more of you know like the superhero side of stuff. I, I'm with you. That's why I asked like Marvel and DC that will never happen again. Right. Because they because their promotional team won't let it happen. They're like as I always joke, the empty suits are running Marvel now, not the creators, where someone like Kurt Busick, who back in the day was writing Thunderbolts and he was personal friends with the editor, and there was nobody above them. And they're like yeah, well, this is going to be great as a surprise. Like now you're like, what? That's a surprise. We have to tell everybody. So they're, so they're not surprised and they know about it before it comes out. Like what? Okay. I, I put the, put the, the promotional information out, I guess. I don't know. The, the closest we've had to that is the immortal Hulk stuff with the devil Hulk. Okay. But that I don't think was planned. I think that was an accidental thing. Okay. Where they threw the Devil Hulk in that Avengers No Road Home or whatever it was called, the weekly right. series that because he know, was writing, right? Al Ewing was writing it, right? And it gets thrown in there, and then but, six uh, months that... later he does Immortal Hulk, and then they bring Devil Hulk to that, and then the book's actually really good, That's... and it's under ordered, and a lot of people get it, and then everyone wants those first appearances of stuff. And not even that; it's the best book on the market. That changes everything. Yeah, like if that if if Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk was garbage, then th those those early Al Ewing like Avengers book would have meant nothing. That like now it's like an Eisner uh, nominated Immortal Hulk, and everybody I tell them like I I'm, I need something to read. You like horror? Try Hulk. Try Immortal Hulk. Go get it. So th that like. I don't know how to ex if I'm explaining myself right, but like being one of being the best book on the market changes everything that he had a small appearance four months before the book started. Hell, you you want a bold marketing strategy? Uh screw putting Eisner Award winning or whatever it is on the cover of the next issue of Immortal Hulk. Put on there the book that outsells Batman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You want you you want to turn some heads? You want to get people talking? Mm -hmm. Put that or, on the cover of your book. 
or put or put uh literally uh as of so, a certain so date immortal hulk number two was going for a hundred dollars on ebay <laughs> and watch them watch later issues of immortal hulk fly off the shelves just fly off the shelves because I'm trying to think what the what the book now is 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 at the shop, and I know I'm getting off track here. Is Marvel Comics presents six? Have you seen that? I've been at the shop three days in in the past week, and not, while I'm there, at least two calls come in from people who don't shop there who are just thinking about getting into comics. Who and, looked up comics in the yellow pages? <laughs> yeah, I was like, do you have any books called Marvel Comics Presents Number Six? For no reason, I just want to read that issue. All joking aside, people are like, I'm just trying to get back into comics, and I haven't read Wolverine in a while, and I hear he's in Marvel Comics Presents Six. And well, you know what's going on in that book, right? Not something with Wolverine's daughter or something. Yes, there's a new daughter, and she has bone claws three of them just like wolverine but they glow so i'm wondering if they heat up too i don't know it's all cool but because she came out and said like they were like at the end of the issue they're like "Ooh, is this wolverine's daughter and then uh the the creator was like there's no doubt about it she's wolverine's daughter and it went crazy and the phone has not stopped ringing and like that now all of a sudden you know, promote that this book is a hundred dollar book on eBay. Maybe Marvel Promise Presents Seven will sell through their their print run. Because speculation is back, baby. I don't know. Doesn't Wolverine already have a daughter and a son? I said it on Twitter too. I said when everybody has healing factor and claws, no one has a healing factor and claws. It's you know, I'm I'm burnt out. Nobody's special anymore because there's 58 versions of every character. But that's another high horse I can get on. Yeah, let's not get on that high horse. I don't want you to fall. If I did, I'd get right back on because that's what Mm. they say you have to do. Yes. So uh, that's what we've read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 530 Eastern time or so, uh, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you wait for the trades, however it is that you get your books, be ready, be forewarned, be forearmed, get ready for the new hot book that's coming out. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is still in the lead over me with four correct guesses. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if I can make some headway here. In uh, guessing what he's most looking forward to coming out this week. I have a question, because this was asked of me. What is Fantastic Four Prodigal Son? That is a new uh, miniseries, three-part miniseries uh, of the the Hulk. Um, Fantastic Four written by Peter David. And I think they're, you're introducing a new character who's supposed to be big in it. I, I, that I don't know. I'm basically buying it because it's Fantastic Four written by Peter David, who I don't know if he even ever wrote Fantastic Four back in the day. Gotcha. I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week. Oh, is this the end of Adventures of the Super Sons? It is. the and This is the last issue of the 12-part story. I'll say that. Uh, and there's no more after this? Not that I know of. I'll say that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. It is not. It okay. is Fantastic Four Prodigal Son number one. I was close. I was close. 
Um, is the book you're looking forward to? I would normally say Immortale Hulk. Yes. Number 20. But I'm going to say, is it Sea of Stars number one? It is Sea of Stars number one. Uh, that is the new uh, Jason Aaron and Dennis, what's his new real fake name? Uh, Dennis Hallam, formerly Dennis Hopeless, uh, co-writing that book. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Jason Aaron project over at Image. And I don't know, it's not Southern Bastards, but I'll give a Jason Aaron book a try as we discussed earlier in the show. I mean, it was on my list to get as soon as I knew about it. Sea of Stars. Right. As soon as you saw that it was a thing. I was like, I need that book. But uh, that's kind of why, uh, pulling back the curtain, if I had known about it, it that probably would have been the book. But, you know, as of what happened earlier today, uh, that's not going to fall into that list, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and but. I have a feeling as well, Todd, next week, we'll also be discussing issue 193 of The Walking Dead. Sure, after the big events of the last two issues, why not? Hmm. Call it a hunch. Call it an idea. Call it the multiple multiple people that have tried to spoil this book on me before it comes out. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling something big is happening that we'll need to discuss. Right. And while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out everything that Todd and I have done in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues, and of course, check out our store where you can Purchase shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them. And if you want more shirts with fancy logos for this show, the soon-be-named network, add-ons to the wrestling, you can go check out our Tee Public store before any more of our designs get uh, takedown notices. Wait, what? <laughs> that's that's for the add-ons listeners, Todd. Not oh. you. Okay. Uh, Let me you just write also... something down real quick. <laughs> there you go. Make yourself a note. Uh, you can also support us uh, through our Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month, up to five dollars a month. Uh, will help us out immensely. A dollar a month will get you uh, past episodes of the show that myself, Todd, and our good buddy DJ did some ten plus years ago. Five dollars a month <laughs> will get you early access to After Dark instead of waiting until Friday like everyone else. You'll get it, uh, you know, early Wednesday morning, kind of like right alongside this show, kind of the way, almost the way it was recorded, you know. Right. You could listen to After Dark first and then this show, and then you could live the life that Todd and I live. Oh, that's the life to live, boy. Right. And another way to help us out, the way that you could always use to help us out that doesn't cost you a red cent more, and that is making any of your Amazon purchases through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. We get a little bit of a kickback they call it an advertising fee. Uh, I call it the thing that makes Todd happy. Once those funds clear into my account, <laughs> then I move them into a PayPal, and then I PayPal them to Todd. That's right. And then you you keep that extra pen. Yes. That's I usually your... round I usually round Todd down for the taxes. That's right. You you earn that money, Joe. That's right. Some of the notable purchases this past week were someone purchased a package of small disc magnets. Somebody also purchased a Bonai Ultra Compact Portable Charger. As someone who lives in constant fear of their ch phone running out of uh, a charge, that's a great item to have. 
Uh, someone purchased the Natura Cure Five Toe Gel Moisturizing Socks. And I tell you, there's nothing more disturbing to me than the socks that have the individual slats for your toes. What? My toes ain't like your toes. Don't think all toes are alike. Mm, All, you know, all toes, one size fit all toes. Mm -hmm. And somebody also purchased a Con Air fabric diffuser. Was that like a Nicolas Cage in that movie diffuser? Con Air? Oh, my goodness. That would be great, by the way. Uh, no, you know, like the, the rolly thing that you put on yourself to get the fuzz off you? Uh, I've heard of those. I like the fuzz on me. I mm, think it's okay. a good look for me. So there's an electric version of it. Usually I just get duct tape and do like once <laughs> around on my hand, and I use that to get the fuzz off my clothes. I, I have duct tape for other reasons, but... <laughs> for for closing up ducks, okay? Right. When your duck needs to be cleaned, sure. That's right. So, Todd, did we... And thanks to everyone, of course, who purchased anything through our Amazon link. Thanks to anyone who purchased anything through our store. And, of course, thank you very much to all of our patrons. Uh, Every little bit helps. I'm not going to give you the whole keeps the lights on, whatever that is. You know, at the end of the day, it just kind of makes what we do just, you know, a little bit sweeter. And eventually, this is all going to go in toward doing more stuff over on the Patreon, getting the show out on time. And so forth. Mm-hmm. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Uh, we did not. I forgot to poke someone with a stick, so there are no art attacks this week. Oh, man. You got to get your poking stick back out. Mm-hmm. I got to get my stabbing knife. <laughs> so, uh, nothing there. Nothing there. Mention the Patreon. Let's get into TV talk. All right. Where we're going to take a start? little bit of a, like we're just going to take like a second or two for the folks that didn't see Swamp Thing or didn't see Krypton <laughs> or like me didn't see Good Omen so we won't be talking about it. Right. Uh we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening to episode 457 of Longbox Heroes and uh we'll get right into TV talk here momentarily. So, let's start with Krypton. Okie dokie. There's a lot going on on Krypton. Yes, almost too much to keep track of sometimes. Yes. Okay, so almost too much to keep track of. Kinda, but maybe instead of having five concurrent stories that all have equal weight, and I, I, I can't argue with their storytelling techniques because maybe they need to tell these stories in this fashion, But, obviously, Seg's story is going to be the most compelling because he's our lead character. But when you spend as much time on that story as you do the other four stories, it just makes me want to see the Seg stuff more. As Though I feel the Seg story with uh, Adam Strange and Lobo and Brainiac and all that stuff, that feels like the A plot of the show. It, It feels like it's not getting enough time. It feels like it's the most important plot. Yes, because, and it should get the most amount of time. Right. With the follow-up of Zod, out of time Zod could like changing history. Like you're like, all right, we gotta fix that and that. And then everybody are the minor players of how they're going to get where they need to be to stop Zod and Brainiac, if if I'm you know making it any sense. But it's the storytelling that that made 
and it's done way better. But honestly, you never watched Game of Thrones. There's a lot of plots juggling. And that's what they're trying to do here. And it reminds me of that. And in a good way sometimes, because I'm like, I like all these plots and I and I get it. I don't mind that this one's bigger and doesn't have get, get enough time or whatever. Because I like all the stories. I think they're all good. None of them I'm going like, this is garbage and I don't want to see it. But that being said, the same problem that I had with Game of Thrones is a character will show up and so much is going on. I'm like, am I supposed to know this person? Um, there was a person who uh, Nissa Vex ends up, you know, seducing and, and getting information from. Yes. And I'm like, was she in season one at all and I missed it? Or are they implying that she had a relationship? And I don't care either way. Like, if it's a new character and we didn't see it, I'm fine. But my old man brain is going, was she walking around in season one and making googly eyes at Nissa and I didn't notice? Or is she a brand new character this season? Yeah. And that's the problem that comes in with juggling so many plot lines because I can handle all the plot lines with all the big characters that I recognize. Like I recognize that face. I recognize that face are not the names all the time because they're alien names, but you know, and that's my problem basically. Right. And you know, and this is not taking anything away from uh, the Zod stuff and it's not taking anything away uh, from what light is doing. And, and as Todd mentioned, what Nessa Vex is doing, but the SAG and the Brainiac stuff is the main stuff. Mm-hmm. And I almost thought we were going to go through an episode without any Lobo. And the Lobo stuff in this was great as well. Right. Before we get to the Lobo, I just want to say because uh, Seg's friend, the guy who owned the bar, I just realized we haven't seen him for three episodes. Yep. He just popped up now. Right. And because they, they do the whole thing with, with Seg and Brainiac where he takes his form. He's like, you want to have a drink with your old buddy? And I'm like, that's right. We haven't seen him in four episodes. And then at the end, he's like, off to war I go. Hi ho. Hi ho, hi ho, and I'm like, okay, I forgot him, but that that's one of the things they don't have enough room for everybody. But like you said, the Lobo stuff, I was cr- I was literally cracking up at all the stuff that he was doing in this episode. For a stupid person, I like how smart Lobo is. Yes, I, I there was a couple of things. The bit with the with the uh, arm where it got cut off and was in the, is it behind the force field and he's going back and forth, giving the finger and he's like pointing back to himself. I'm like, this is done smarter. And then when he starts, he blows his head off and he starts regenerating inside the, the shield. And he's just half a guy walking around on his arms. I was like, all right, that's not the super greatest effect in the world. Like you're like, you're, this isn't, but him walking around on the arms and you're still like half a Lobo is very dangerous. Yep. Uh, the only thing I missed though, is I was, they didn't ever announce. Do you remember when he had the ability to create a Lobo from every drop of blood that he spilled? Yes. And I'm like, okay, they didn't mention it. I think they're just going to sweep that right under the rug until Vril Docs, as Lobo says, neutered him with a potion. So he couldn't do it anymore. Well, that's going to be very interesting because, you know, the the main crux of the Seg stuff is he and Brainiac resting for control. Mm -hmm. And Seg wins and he separates himself from Brainiac. As they say in the episode, you crapped him out. Mm -hmm. Because it is crap town, this show. Right. Uh, Seg Seg and Adam Strange get away. They're back on Krypton. They're back in the thick of things. And they are back where they need to be. Now they just need to meet, meet up with the rest of the Resistance. 
before Zod can get his plans to go into effect, and I'm sure Doomsday will have something to say about that. Mm-hmm. We then leave Lobo in the room with Brainiac, and we see Lobo do the same thing to Brainiac that Seg did to Brainiac at the beginning of the season. I think Brainiac's going to go inside Lobo, and I think that's going to be a problem. What? I don't know. I think Lobo with 12th level in, you know, intelligence is going to be just fine. Right. And I think we're going to get a fun battle between a CGI Lobo and a CGI Doomsday. And I hope it looks just one hair better than the CGI King Shark versus Gorilla Grodd battle we had from Flash last season. You mean the greatest visual effect in the history of TV? Mm-hmm. Almost as good as that scene from Crystal Skull with Mutt swinging around on the vines during mm-hmm. that chase scene. Great scene. Great scene. But yeah, Krypton's really good. I'm still liking it. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, they need to kind of divvy up the time a little bit better, I think. I think if they did that, then you wouldn't see whole characters for, like, like episodes. Right, like uh, Seg's friend, the bartender. Yeah. I'm sure Seg's part- friend, the bartender. I would watch that show. Yeah. We don't. We hey, what are you? I'm a cesarean. We don't get a lot of cesareans in here. With prices like these, I understand why. <laughs> so let's move over to Swamp Thing. Okay. Uh, so we get. This is more of. Moving along Abby's plot, using the little girl who we were introduced to in the first episode of the season, where she gets uh, taken in by the Sunderlands, and the Sunderland daughter, uh, what's the daughter's name? Shauna. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has been haunting the mother, Maria, for the entirety of the season. She takes possession of the little girl's body. Gives Abby a bunch of crap about it. Lures Maria to the swamp to kill her. Maybe take over her body. We don't know. Luckily, Abby and Swampy are there to stop this from happening. Uh, A mysterious man shows up to Swamp Thing to show how he could use his powers by touching trees. And learning the history of what's gone on in the area, which Swampy uses to show Abby what really happened the day Shauna died. And we get some delightful, villainous scenery chewing from Avery Sutherland. Or what? Sun- I want to say Sutherland, Sunderland. Avery Sunderland is quickly becoming one of the most scene-chewingest characters in all of comicdom. I can only hope that after they wrap up Swamp Thing, they move him over to Legend of Tomorrow. I'm just going to say... Him, I don't know if what I want to see him chew more scenery or turtle soup, because him making the turtle soup is fantastic. It's like you just throw a whole feet in there, Joe. <laughs> now, I, I want to say this: that was your gross-out moment for the show this week. Uh, any of our listeners who have seen the fantastic um, film *Cannibal Holocaust* or any of those Italian cannibal films from the early '80s where uh, they may have done something similar, but not with any special effects. Um, So it just reminded me of that, and it gave me flashbacks to those films when he was cutting up the the prop turtle, if you will, right? (laughs) Right. 
And the actor who plays Avery Sunderland, I don't know, and I don't think if he is a native Louisianan, mm-hmm. or if he is a uh, a, a, a uh, what's it? What, what would you call it? A Cajun fella, right? But there's nothing that I love more than when a movie or TV Cajun. For some reason, for some scene, or for certain lines of dialogue, decide to amp up that Cajunness just a little bit, mm-hmm. and we pronounce every letter of every syllable of the word "turtle." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, "Was this a choice by the actor? Was this like who's to blame for the way that Avery Sunderland just said tweed soup?" And I'm just like, "What are you doing?" I love old soup. Ugh. Anyway. And he was born in Charleston, South Carolina. I say that's close enough. Right. But as you were saying, the guy who comes along and helps Swamp Thing with his powers, that should have been Matt Ryan from Legends of Tomorrow. That's the one thing that I'm kind of like, man, we need a John Constantine here right now for this. Now, unless I'm mistaken, and according to the Imdaba, that's supposed to be the Phantom Stranger? Ah, uh, if it is... Kayfabe? I was going to say, I don't think we're supposed to know it yet, because the Phantom Stranger doesn't look like a fat Cajun. Uh-huh. He's the only person who debuted in this episode on the cast list. Yes, I would say so, with probably like some extras that aren't going to count, you know? But I agree with you. That absolutely should have been John Constantine. Mm-hmm. That and then we also get that uh, the pact that uh, Blue Devil made with whoever he tries to leave town and he almost bursts into flame and we see that he has the costume in the trunk, Joe. So maybe if he was destined to be Blue Devil before episode eleven, we're gonna see Blue Devil. And I also like the slapdash job that he did to bandage up his burned arm. <laughs> Just like three, three band-aids and some badly wound gauze. Right, and six inches of gauze. That's like, right. listen, guys, the tax break hasn't come to through. Figure it out. <laughs> That's right. Any day now, we put in the paperwork. It's supposed to be a cast. Make the best of it. That's right. Use a little imagination, guys. That's right. We got any toilet paper? No, we used the last of it. All right. Anyone got some glue? I have some duct tape over here. All right. That being said, I thought this was a good episode. Um, I like that we do our little twist here, of course, now that there is a mystery to Shauna's death. That it's not a clear cut. It was like childish whatever, right? Obviously, Abby was at fault, whether she was or wasn't. She certainly blamed herself. For Shauna's death, uh, Shauna's family blamed Abby for Shauna's death. And now here we are with more information about what really happened. Right, because just because she pushed her in doesn't make her at fault. You know what I mean? Because yes. if something drug her down. Now, if we find out that that's an alligator, then 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 she... But if it's some mystical thing, then she doesn't get it. And I do like when Abby was talking to the young girl and she, she was possessed. And she's in the room and... The girl, the young girl was creepy. And then she's like, all I want is to hear your lungs fill with water like mine. And outside you just see the ghost banging on the window underwater. I'm like, like, I don't know horror the way you do. I will never like say, but I'm like, 
this all this is done very well. I yes. don't know where it stands up in your regime, but as a non-horror watch, I'm like, there are scenes in this, and I'm not counting this this the, the stabbing arm from from last week's and the finger goo when he sticks it in the 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 the, the garbage disposal. But there's a lot of stuff that makes me jump, and yep. I'm like, this is this is intense, and I'm like, I don't like watching this at night because Swamp Thing's gonna bust through my door, and uh, you know some rot monster's gonna kill me. But yeah, they, they're doing the horror stuff, I think, very well. I, I think they're doing the creature effects very well. And yes, we're poking some fun and, you know, taking a little bit of the pee out of this. But uh, it's a great show. Definitely check it out. I had people recommending to me uh, this week that I should drop everything that I'm doing and uh, just go watch Doom Patrol. And I'll get the Doom Patrol one day, but this is what we're watching right now. I saw a couple of clips of Doom Patrol. And I kind of want to watch it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But watching this, and I'm kind of sad because uh, they set something up in this episode where the Floronic Man, Woodrow, wants Swamp Thing captured. Like, we got to capture him alive. And the whole the whole thing of capturing Swamp Thing is that's what leads into the anatomy lesson. Yep. And if I find out that episode 12 was the anatomy lesson, <laughs> I'm going to wherever they do DC Universe and I'm busting all their servers. I'm just walking in with a baseball bat and, and going to town on them. I'm like, you don't get to do this to me. I'm going to okay. stop there before I get all worked up again, Joe. So some of the later episode titles have not been stooged off to give something such away. Oh, hopefully they pushed it up to episode 10. Mm-hmm. The next two episodes are very, or the next episode is very innocuously titled The Price You Pay. Mm, probably somebody bought dinner for that episode. Right. And then the following four episodes have no titles to stooge anything off. You know, that was gonna... the one thing. That was the one thing where, like, we'd go look at the Legend of Tomorrow's uh, episode titles, and besides having a delightful laugh over them, it'd be like, okay, I was stooge enough what happens there, stooge enough what happens there, okay, I get you. Mm-hmm. The, the price that was paid was the tax money not coming in. Oh, my goodness. What? Maybe it'll go to Netflix, whatever's left over from the uh, Sandman money. I was hoping they'd film in the same spot. And Matt Cable could go over, Joe. Yes. And you can get Matt Ryan to play John Constantine, too. He was in the first couple of issues of Sandman. He's the Nick Fury of the DC TV universe. That would be fantastic. And then he could meet up with Keanu Reeves, and they could get in a magic fight. One throws magic at one guy, and the other guy throws magic back at him. I don't think so. Okay. Are we uh we ready to go? I think that's it because you didn't watch Good Omens because you hate no. it. I don't know. I'm gonna try. There's only two episodes left. I'm gonna try to watch them. I want to watch them, but there's so much to do. There is. You have such a busy life. I do. Sadly, mm-hmm. strangely. And then Stranger Things starts this week. I know. People telling me season three of Jessica Jones is good. I'm a couple episodes into Jessica Jones and I've been enjoying it. But anything is up from season two, Joe. Matthew. Yeah, that's true. Oh, they could have just had a monkey throwing stuff at the screen. I'd be like, hey, season three is great. It wasn't that bad. It was terrible. No. 
All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to episode 457 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.